0: Hello and welcome to Terrace Memoirs and the latest delve into the life of a football supporter. If you don't know me by now, I am Dave Harris. I'm a Reading fan of over 30 years, season ticket holder for over 20. And from the last episode, from the Southwest seaside, the lovely salubrious town of Weymouth, uh, we are now heading up the coast, a long way up the coast to the Northwest seaside, to the home of the Golden Mile. The Pleasure Beach and donkey rides between the piers and Blackpool is a name synonymous with the Great British Seaside Holiday and a town that's unique in many ways, including the football club and the kit, the Tangerine Kit. Uh, Carrying on the August theme, this is the second episode um, where I talk to a supporter of a football club that has suffered hard times in one way and another over the last, well, however many years, somebody who has lived through it and... um, Christine has had a front row seat, it has to be said, as chair of Blackpool Supporters Club. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by her today. Uh, We're sat here today in the leafy town of Lytham in the station pub. Um, And Christine, of course, you are very very welcome to the show how are you
1: thank you i'm, I'm fine thank you very much and what a lovely day we've organized the sunshine oh you. it's marvelous it? it's, <laughs> it's
0: lovely and it's been lovely since i've been up here i've tra- traveled up here on friday and it's just been blazing hot sunshine <laughs> <laughs> as you can see from the state of my nose <laughs> it's looking rather manchester united kit like
2: so. uh, no <laughs> so,
0: but yes we mentioned the kit the tangerine and all right The last 10 years or so might have been a little bit nightmarish, but the Tangerine Dream is back on track, isn't it? It
1: certainly is. It most certainly is. Um, I think as a club, we've gone from probably the worst owners in in football history to one of the best. Um, It it really couldn't be more of a contrast. So happy days at last.
0: Yeah. So another successful season, another playoff campaign.
1: Indeed. It's that's, the only
0: way you do it, isn't it?
1: It is the only way we do it. And we keep <laughs> saying, just once could we do it by automatic promotion? That would be nice. But, uh, hey, it's what we do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how was it then, you know, from the very start? Um, trying to think now, uh, I haven't done my research, bad me. Um, was it Neil Critchley from the very start of the season?
1: Um, yes, it was. Um, he, he was appointed sort of last season, but of course... Um, you, as you say, with, with COVID and all that's gone on it's, and, and the seasons being shifted about, it's, it's hard to keep up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But yes, um, uh, and the poor guy really, I, I felt for him because he was just sort of starting to pull everything together um, and then COVID came. Um, but hey, he's just he's just got on with it, you know, as, <laughs> as everybody at the, at the football club has. Yeah, it's
0: gotta be said. I mean, I took a bit of an interest, excuse the noises in the background, that's, uh, that's a, a grandparent and child playing. Um, <laughs> I took a bit of an interest in the playoffs. Um, not being a particular fan of Oxford, it's got to be said. It was rather nice to see the, you do them do them over well and well and truly. Um, yeah, and, and so yeah, he had you playing some really good stuff. Good solid f- foundations and really really good on the on the break. Absolutely. It was a classic away performance at the Casam, wasn't it?
1: Absolutely. Um, and, and I, I can honestly say that, that the feeling I've got from watching them and of course for most of the season like everybody else I've only really been able to watch them on uh, iFollow mm-hmm. um, so I was very fortunate to get um, a ticket for, to be able to go to Bloomfield Road for the playoff semi
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then of course got to Wembley um, and the feeling that there is um, of the team, the unity of that team and there's that feeling of unity between the team and the, and the supporters and the manager. And now the owner as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have that before with Ian Holloway and, and the squad that got us to the Premier League. But, you know, it was kind of in spite of the owners rather yes. than with them. Yeah. So this just feels, it just feels fantastic. It really does.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's, good. could sell, sell mm. from your face. I mean, this is only <laughs> the second time I've ever actually... Um, recorded in person and I can tell from your face it's nice but sometimes you can hear the smiles yes yeah. I can see it today <laughs> uh, it is, it's, it's really good it's, you know, and I'm looking forward to, to rekindling the relationship as a Reading fan um, coming up here as mentioned on plenty of times on this show my dad lives in or just outside Lytham where we are now um, and it's, it makes it much much easier to come up here for a weekend uh, to go of and see course. Blackpool the other lot down the road and all the other Lancashire clubs yep. um, and Merseyside and whoever else uh, really good so yeah I'm looking forward to it Yeah, it's been a few years but um, when was the last time you were in the championship 2015 wasn't it so yes. and you've been down to league two yes. and then back up again so <laughs> Indeed, it's we been, have. A, it has literally been a seesaw <laughs>
1: yes yeah, so or the, the old roller coaster as people always like to say about mm-hmm. Blackpool so it, it has and you know as, as someone who's, whose first game was when I was five years old um to have spent so many years I, I literally was missing games for almost 5 years mm-hmm. and that was really hard yeah. and trying to keep that connection when you're not actually going is so so tough yeah. um so in a way it's it's, it's been fantastic to, to rekindle the relationship if you yeah. like um did that
0: we'll get into the uh, into the crowd yeah. boycott um a little bit later but did that make it a little bit easier to deal with um the whole sort of the covid break or did that make Mm. it was it was there absolutely no difference you obviously clearly you Mm. wanted to go yes um it must be really difficult to voluntarily withdraw your support but when it's kind of inflicted upon you
1: yeah i think it it was it was just immensely frustrating for us because having missed so much and having just got back and we'd only been back sort of less than 12 months Mm. To then be forced to stay away, albeit for very different reasons um what was actually quite difficult, um, but at least this time you know you, we, we felt like we were connected at now yeah. um, whereas before we ab- absolutely weren't yeah. the, our own gentleman yeah, yeah, yeah. called Simon Sadler right, and Simon Sadler is actually a he is a sandgro and a blackpool boy mm-hmm. he uh, grew up and was educated here yeah. um, but then Went off to university, whatever, a great businessman, I think he's a hedge fund manager, yeah. developed his own company, um, and now he's based in Hong Kong. Right, um, okay. So he, he's been away for many, many years, but has always sort of kept that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, when the oysters were finally removed and the receiver had come in and a, an owner was required. Um, he obviously stepped up. Just
0: put his head above the parapet. He
1: absolutely did. He obviously hasn't
0: forgotten his roots. Is he? Is he? Is he, is he, is he is a Blackpool fan? Is he as well?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we have on on the board now is a, a gentleman called Brett Garrity, who's who was his best friend. I think they were at school together, um, and they used to. Um, sell the, you know, rent out the deck chairs on the promenade when they were, when they yep. were teenagers as a as a weekend job and that sort of thing. So very uh, and, and Brett is he's still based in uh, on the Foul Coast, mm-hmm. so he's kind of I think his eyes and ears here when Simon can't be here. although Simon comes over an awful lot, <laughs> or he certainly was, you know, prior to COVID. Um, and he was certainly here for Wembley Yes. so um, yeah he, he's, he's, he just said that he wants to put something back yep. into his hometown and you know I mean here we are in, in beautiful Lytham which is very prosperous but parts of Blackpool have some of the most deprived wards in the country mm-hmm. so the fact that he wants to put his money in and is developing through the community trust links with supporters groups like Blackpool supporters trust um to, to try and, and really help the community as well I mean mm-hmm. that's what is so outstanding yeah. about what what he's doing
0: I think um certainly that's one of the things that I mean I my, my dad lived up here for um 21 years now Um, so I've been up here quite a lot Mm -hmm. quite a bit and I think it's very easy to to go into Blackpool and the Golden Mile is obviously what you know let's face it it's the key feature of Blackpool isn't it yes and you've got the M55 running in it goes in past um, Bloomfield Road and all those areas have been done up haven't they yes
2: Um,
0: over the last 20 odd years there's new developments there's new um, retail units and whatnot Um, but you only have to take one or two streets back, don't you? And you're absolutely Indeed. right. It's 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 a it's, uh, it's a deprived area.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a, a lot of. I mean, I know a lot of um, towns and that have have social deprivation and whatnot. But it, it is it is pretty bad in, yeah. in parts. So again, I mean, it was something that we used to say during the the, the boycott and that that it, it was such a crime to me that there was so much money had come into the club, particularly through going to the Premier League. This was a massive opportunity, not just for the football. But for the impact it could have on yeah. on the local community, and and that opportunity simply was squandered. Yes, yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, the oystons were, were accused of, of actually siphoning money out of the club, weren't they? They um,
1: did siphon money right. out of the club,
0: but they're, 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 they are um... <laughs> matter of
1: public record now. So okay, you're okay, okay, good stuff. <laughs>
0: so they, um, I, I mean, I can I can distinctly recall, not so much now, but in, in, in the last ten years or so, um, they had a, a big. Um, estate agency um, yeah. in the local area you used to see um, the obvious, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, lettings and uh, for sale uh, boards, mm-hmm. and that. um right, yes. and there were, you know, you talk to people about them, and
2: <laughs>
0: to be brutally honest, let's not, let's you know, be perfectly mm-hmm. frank about it. They are not popular people in the area, are they? And that's not even let not even, even touch the football with no, that side of things.
1: Not at all. Um, Owen Oyston, of course, who's, who's in his eighties now, but who was the owner of the club. Um, has had a very poor reputation music. always <laughs> as, as a businessman and has created a lot of uh, enemies should we say or people <laughs> who dislike him a great deal and um, no, you know obviously the the the, the 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 situation with the football club escalated out of control in the end mm-hmm. um, and I think it was the money that came in when we got to the Premier League there was so much money came in I think that it, to me it was just the greed that really took over so whilst there had been a bit of a pretense beforehand that it was oh you know I love my football club and I've been a fan since I was two and all this stuff um, it became very obvious what it was all about
0: yeah yeah and they they got well they essentially got lucky with Holloway didn't they <laughs>
1: They, they've got lucky a number of times, to, to be fair. We've actually said that. People, some people said he's a good businessman. I, I, I would say absolutely not. He's a shocking businessman. He um, But has been very, very lucky. And yes, with Ian Holloway, um, what an extraordinary time that was. I think really you just have to rewind a little bit further because he first of all got very lucky with Valeri Bellicon, who was a Latvian businessman who, he was a banker, but he also had a brewery, yeah. and he came over yeah. to the UK to sell his beer, and that, that was his initial appointment, I believe, at the football club to see if we would take his beer. He and Owen got on quite well at first. Owen has a certain amount of surface charm, shall we say, or so, so I'm told. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, eventually he, he was uh, decided that he would invest in the football club instead, so yeah. he bought 20% of the shares. And from then on, um, we did note there was there was just a noticeable difference because he invested in the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. He, he brought certain players in significantly. Charlie Adam was one of the players that he uh, uh, we would not have had without Valeri. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, a player, I am I am uh, um, familiar well, with and indeed, acquainted with. I'm sure,
1: you are. I've even got one um, of his
0: one of his match worn shirts. <laughs> or not me, my boy, should I say? Oh.
1: Well, what you know? Again, what what a. A talisman he was. What a significant player he was for us. So our fortune started to turn around simply because, in spite of all the words that had gone before about the money that Owen had put into the club, which many of us had doubted along the, along the way anyway, Valeri really did. Um, I've always said he put his money where Oyson's mouth was, and absolutely started investing in in what what really matters. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, you know, we had quite a, a, a rise, shall yeah. we say, then. Um, and, and and that that was that was fantastic and quite extraordinary. So Ian Holloway came in, and how how we ended up with him, goodness only knows, because he had a, I believe he's famously told the story that he had an interview with Carl Oyston and Owen's son and Carl was, of course, the chairman by this time. And um, you know, I, I don't know if he was late or something like that. Just it's all, it was always very casual and yeah. couldn't care less, really. Um, but he was—he uh, was determined. He was ready to come back into football at that point. Was he, in Holloway, and mm-hmm. um, you know he—he he basically pushed it and said, "I want the job." Yeah. So he got it, and um, he was just—he was the right man at the right time. Um, and what an incredible time that was! And that
0: was two thousand and nine, wasn't it? Uh, uh, yes, Was that's it uh, right. Simon Grayson took the Leeds job, which was his dream ticket? Was not it? It was
1: indeed. And then
0: you thought, of course, as uh, I like say, in Holloway came yeah. in. Yeah,
1: I mean, I have to say, we had Tony Parks was the uh, was Simon Grayson's right hand mm-hmm. man, and he was left holding the baby, shall we say? Yeah. But Tony Parks did a, a really good job, and yeah. he, I think, he's some of the players that we brought in, he'd identified. <laughs> you know he he knew what he was about so although i don't think he ever wanted the top job the main job um it, you know i think a lot of credit needs to go to him for where we were at at the point or where we were heading when ian holloway came came
0: in yeah i will get into that into i'm sure a, f- a fair amount of detail um, a little bit later down the line but as i mentioned uh, in my last podcast um, every journey begins with a single step mm-hmm. and for a football fan, that's a step inside a football ground for the first time. Yes. So, and you mentioned earlier you were five yeah. when you first went.
1: I was five when I first went, although I have to say I don't really remember very much about it. Funny enough, not
0: many people do. No. Um,
1: <laughs> but I do remember when I was... Because um, I have an older brother and he used he played football and he used to go all the time. Um, my mum was actually the, the Blackpool fan mm-hmm. more than my dad. My dad was a bit more of a rugby man, really. Um So, you know, we have my mum to blame because she she supported them through the... 40s and the 50s mm-hmm. famously the f- family stories went to the, fi- the Matthews Cup final 1953 53 on the back of a brother's motorbike yeah. and you know, we got, we've had all the stories for many years oh, in I mean, at the back of a um, motorbike
0: and there's no motorways absolutely. back then absolutely oh, how long that, did that take that them that was
1: keen hours hours <laughs> absolutely and they only had one ticket between them as well at the time but I believe they managed to get one shuffle
0: in yeah. Yeah, or shuffle in through the double like, oh.
1: <laughs> well she was only five foot tall my mum so yeah
0: <laughs> double, double, double turn styling jibbing you know, yes. as they call it these days
1: so she but, but of course then um, you know she had to work and what not so she wasn't going to games on a regular basis so I remember my dad took me uh, and the the old cop at Blackpool um, which is now the, the North Stand and you know I, I think everybody's familiar with Bobby Robson and when he said about you know walking up the steps holding your father's hand and all yeah. this. well I actually did and I, I can remember it absolutely I can't remember who we were playing but I can remember coming out at the top seeing all these people seeing the team on the on the pitch I, and I was just like blown away by it and, mm-hmm. and to be honest from then on I, I went as often as was Possible
0: Love at first sight.
1: It was, mm-hmm. and, and I, I, I absolutely get that. that <laughs> Almost
0: the instant engagement thing isn't it, for a football it was. fan? And yeah.
1: although, yes, I think I'm, I'm fortunate because, I mean, I'm, I'm 58 now, so I'm from a generation when I was a child that really a lot of women still were not going to football, mm-hmm. but my mum did. My mum was a bit of a one-off, really, and... Um, so, you know, it was encouraged. There was, no, there was no question of, oh, no, your brother can go, but you can stay at home kind yeah. of thing. N- none of that. No. Um, so it, it's very much a family thing, tangerines in our DNA. Yeah. So yeah.
0: yeah. So were Blackpool still in the first division around that time?
1: Um, yes, yes. Yeah. But obviously we, we fell out in uh, early 70s mm-hmm. and then... Because
0: um, okay. of that famous... Uh, 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 Delvin, this is... Uh, yeah dare I say it, it's a bit before my time I'm, I'm late 80s when I first started mm-hmm. watching football but uh, being an absolute football nut there's a, there are a number of you know, highlights that you get to see of televised yes. games obviously not yeah. every game was televised back then no. probably know where I'm going with this already was it West Ham in the early seventies, in the FA Cup, were mm-hmm. you there for that one?
1: I wasn't. No, no. no. Um, again, you know, family situations and things. My parents split up, um, and you know, money was tight. So it, it, there was a limit to how many games I could yeah. actually get to, particularly when you're talking about away games. But it, it developed over time, and then when I got to be a teenager and I was able to go on my own, I fortunately had a friend at school who loved football, mm-hmm. so we used to go together. Prior to that, I used to go with my brother, but, you know, he's, like, six years older than me. and He wants the kid sister tagging along. So um, it, it's just it, a, mix, a mixture of of, uh, of of times to be able to go.
0: Yeah.
1: But it, it's always been there, yeah. always.
0: But, <sighs> so, you know, football in the in the 70s and the 80s uh, is a very, very different beast to what it is now. Um, Blackpool, mm-hmm. I mean, we jokingly about, literally about two or three minutes mm-hmm. ago mentioned the state of, you know, the state of some of the stadium, but, you know, Bloomfield Road, you know, gradually, you know, certainly even into the late 90s had yeah. areas of the stadium that were actually closed, it which is shocking. saying it, something.
1: It was. It and was this is like 10 bad.
0: years, and when was, the Oysters took over? The Oystens
1: took over what, the 80s, uh, in the 80s, yeah, when Oyston famously bought the club for a pound. So, as I say, nobody's ever pretended that it was fantastic before he came in, because it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we'd had a had some like Billy Cartmel, I think it was, was a pretty shocking owner, and so we, we were on the point of of going out of business altogether mm-hmm. um, when Owen stepped in and bought it. So that can't be denied, um, <laughs> but one later questions why he actually bothered. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the state of the play, state of it was was awful. Yeah. Um, and, and for
0: such a a man with such a an in inverted commas mm. reputable business in the area. Mm. Um, Took him a long time to even consider putting some improvements into the place. Uh, I think it was 2001 eventually when you got the two new That's stands. Right. Wasn't and, it?
1: and that was due to grants that came through um, very, very, very what, one of the football, uh, what was it from? Uh, football FI's Foundation. Football? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Football Foundation that, that provide this. Um, and it was only done. Um, because they also built an awful lot of um, offices at the same time, yeah. w- uh, which the NHS actually in the area rent out. Yeah. So it brought a. That's huge actually at Bloomfield Road, is it? Yes. And
0: that explains. I never actually knew that. That explains yeah. the size and the the kind of the footprint of yes. it. Yes. You because know, you know, the, the actual well, inside of the seated seated area is is not the biggest. No. With respect. Um, but the actual footprint is really steps out of the back, doesn't it? Yes,
1: it does. Yeah, I mean, when it was done, the priority was was to create the office space and kind of football part of it. The stadium part of it was sec- a secondary consideration.
0: Did he make his money in, in property by any chance? Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it it was, but to, but to us because. I've got a bit of a, a thing about the, the, ones, the like slightly subservient mentality of, of football fans and I think it's because we, for so many years, so many clubs, you kind of accept that that's just how it is and mm-hmm. you've got to, you just accept whatever crumbs drop from the table and, and hope for the best Yeah. because at the end of the day you want to support your team um, and and what can you do about it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we, we'd put up with the, this, all of this lack of investment both on and off the pitch for so long, because that's how it was. Um, so to suddenly get, you know, two stands, <laughs> it was like, whoa, we felt like we'd won the lottery then. That, mm-hmm. that was really quite quite something. The fact that it then sort of stagnated because um, Carl Oyston was like, well, there's no point in, in building anymore because there's not enough people come to to watch and it was like but really you you need to be investing now in the the team and what's going on on the pitch to encourage more people to come you've always got your core element your diehards who go no matter what Mm -hmm. but in any town in any football club you've then got that next level up that will come if there's at least some sign of ambition and there's a purpose to it (laughs) and then of course you've got your Plastics, if you want to call them that, or the that's perhaps a little unfair. There's people who are interested in football but aren't particularly, you know, mad about it. But they will still come and they'll still hand their money over. Not quite as invested
0: in as as the passionate fan. And
1: and I think every football club needs to be aware of those different levels of of fan commitment and and make the most of them.
0: Yeah. So no, absolutely. You've got you've got to be able to cater for that. I think there are some clubs that overdo it. Um,
1: Well, I mean, you think you know, in a town like Blackpool, first of all. Um, you know the catchment area you know we've got the sea at one side (laughs) Mm, yeah and you we have you know you've just go a little bit further inland (laughs) well exactly so you've got to we have a limited catchment area we've then got a lot of the the locals are not necessarily not actually local as sorts like i am a sangronan but a lot of them aren't they've come from all over to buy hotels run businesses so we don't have a vast amount of of Blackpool-born people Mm -hmm. Um, and, of course, the nature of of the... businesses in in this area are very much hospitality yeah. based which means working on a saturday <laughs> yeah
2: sorry, sorry. so again
1: yeah. you know in terms of how many people can realistically be expected to uh, certainly to buy season tickets and is is perhaps a bit lower than in some other areas mm-hmm. that said i believe we've sold um we're not far off eight thousand this coming season which yeah. for a town like blackpool is after a the pandemic, I and think, that's, is pretty fantastic.
0: Uh, what's that about fifty percent capacity? Uh,
1: just slightly under fifty percent. We, we can hold just over 16, 16 and a bit mm-hmm.
0: thousand. Yeah. <clears> so <throat> going back to the uh, the development, clearly, mm. as you got those those two stands, mm. uh, two thousand and one. Yeah. And that was you were promoted that season in two thousand and one, yep. weren't you? was yes, it, we was were. It Bournemouth, you beat in the playoffs.
1: Uh, no, it was Leighton Orient. Late and Orient.
0: But, uh, you know, on the back of that. No. you know after that those two stands have been built yeah like you mentioned it, it took almost 10 years to get mm-hmm. a third permanent stand built mm-hmm. you know you have that you've got the temporary yeah. stand along the side of the pitch which yeah. is still a temporary stand a temporary just with stand a roof there.
2: yeah
0: the improvements that were made on the back of the premier league Correct. um before you eventually got that third stand and yeah. is there any any um the Feasibility of getting the 4 stand and getting that nice wraparound look.
1: Yes, that, that, that I believe is part of the long-term plan. Um, at the moment, the priority is a training ground. Yeah. Because we don't really have one. Um, and who do you know, the players
0: train at the moment? Then.
1: Well, they are training at Squires Gate, where the training facilities are, mm-hmm. as, as such. Um, you know, again, that was one of the famous things about during the Eastern time that it was there was basically. A porter cabin
0: and a big skip. I remember reading comments <laughs> about Mike, from Michael Chopra um, about he didn't get a lot of sympathy from from people in football. But when 91 other clubs, including you know, going down or literally from League Two yeah. all the way up to Premier League, are able to provide facilities like you know, washing the kit, cleaning the boots, yes. yeah. and yet the players at Blackpool. Needed to wash their own kit. They needed yeah. to clean their own boots. Exactly. You know, say it was port cabins. There wasn't even
1: running water.
0: Picking at, up the, the, the probably, probably picking up the dog mess from mm. you know. It's exactly. almost it's literally Sunday league. And that mm. you can't. I don't care what anybody says. Mm. You can't have that at no. a professional football club. No. no,
1: no, absolutely not. And and you know those were the facilities they had even when we were in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's absolutely shocking. You know. Yes, of course. We all talk sometimes about overpaid poncy footballers and all the rest of it. Um, but the fact remains that as an employee of any company, if your employer is so dismissive of the things that you, the basic things that you require, how does that make you feel? Not very is it, good. Is, is it, no, exactly. And it, it, it's, it's an
0: interesting, um, uh, I do to call it, a conundrum is probably the wrong word, but when you're, you, know, you, you have your employees and you your your competition in the local, well, in, in your your direct competition is doing something bigger and better for your for other employees. Mm. What are other, what are those players going to want to do? Mm. You know, you're exactly. almost. Mm. And this isn't to say that the players that Blackpool have had over the last twenty, thirty years have been the dregs of the football bins, as it were, or barrels. Um, but I can imagine Blackpool wasn't their first choice.
1: No, and because of the reputation. So and why would it be exactly? Um, and you know, when you've got. You hear all the stories that came out that people, even people like Robbie Fowler, are off for ninety pounds a week, and um, and then you know appearance money um, if you actually get on the pitch, and and you know it's just not realistic and <laughs> how not to run a football club. So you can't do it on the
0: cheap, can you? Of course you can't, you can't do it on the cheap. You've got to do it within within the club's yes. means. Yes, um, but. Yeah, you've got, I, to, you've got to be I, able I to. Think, you. I don't think I
1: don't think footballers necessarily need as much as they as, as they get at some clubs at the moment. But yeah. the fact remains they need to know that they are valued as we all do wherever we work, um, and even just basic things like decent nutrition and. As I say, somewhere to have a shower, somewhere to go for a wee if you need to when you're training. It's you know not just some big open field with no running water. When it comes
0: comes to um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to that, as an employer, you've got to provide your you're you're legally obliged to to provide your employees with well. (laughs) uh, Your face speaks volumes. We just had an eye roll and and raised (laughs) eyebrows.
1: Um, there are many, many questions that I would like to ask certain authorities um, as to how the, the oysters were allowed to do.
0: Are we talking local authorities? Local
1: authorities, yeah. yes. Um, whether it be the, the actual running and the facilities of the stadium, um, whether it be employment issues like you've just mentioned, whether it be things to do because there is a hotel at the um, mm-hmm. um, which Angle's actually manager off for 15 months but mm-hmm. that's another story um, after the Oysons are gone of course um, it, it's, it's actually no, no no it's it's just the Blackpool FC hotel and it's okay. part of that third stand of the right. south uh, stand right, so okay. again when that was built there was a hotel built, built in with it so again there was there was businesses attached if you like money making ventures attached to every stand yes. which is fine it's yes. very sensible no, no, absolutely I, I there's, no,
0: there's no bad thing provided it's used it's... to you know it's on, it's on the Blackpool exactly. FC fe- footprint exactly.
1: and exactly. that money
0: should be used for the betterment of Blackpool football games.
1: yes of course it should so yeah there's there's an awful lot of things that have gone on that, that you sort of question how they got away with what, the way they ran things for as long as they did it's mm-hmm. quite staggering really yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I, I think, again, if, you, there you if you're if you a very wealthy person and oh you have um, a lot of businesses and whatnot, they, they, they do seem to live in a, a bubble. And, and I think that was part of the issues that they felt that they were untouchable. And to be fair, for many, many years, they pretty much oh, were.
0: Yeah. So, clearly, you've got Is that Isabella? Um, a reasonable, shall we say... Isabella? in inverted commas, amount of knowledge of the inner workings of Blackpool uh, Football Club. And Uh, I'd imagine that comes from Uh, your position at Blackpool Supporters Trust, um, Um, to an extent.
1: To to an extent, yes. Um, (laughs) I I actually was... um, I've worked in hotels all my life. Um, Worked for Hilton for 30-odd years. Um, Was made redundant just before... Um, bye-bye all bye-bye. the stuff happened with the receiver coming in at Blackpool. So it's actually bye-bye great. Bye-bye. I had six months off which uh, just at the right time, which was marvellous because I was chair of the trust by then. And then when the receiver came in, there is actually this hotel attached to the football club um, and the interim board were like we're football we don't do hotels um, believe you know something about hotels help um, so I... you
0: comment earlier that you managed the yes, hotel at the football correct. club right so, okay. so
1: I went into just basically you know the state of the football club and the hotel everything and how it had been left after all these years of boycott and Mismanagement was even worse than we feared. I think it was unreal. Um, so I went in to help out. Really, yeah, um, ended up being made the general manager and and stayed there until the start of COVID, which then unfortunately brought another redundancy for me. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it was it, it lasted longer than it was. I was only supposed to be there for six months and ended up there for fifteen. So,
2: um,
1: and it was it was really interesting to see. Um, the workings of a football well club from inside because <laughs> although I was running the hotel obviously I was still you know, was involved in a way to what was going on with the club as well so yeah, very, very interesting and, and in a way brought my my journey if you want to call it that um, as, as chair of the Trust and fighting um, the oysters. it kind of was a... It, it completed it all in a way mm-hmm. My mum always does yeah. it, not yeah. it? If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So uh, going back to your when you first got involved with mm-hmm. Blackpool Supporters Trust, uh, was that just becoming a member and attending meetings and?
1: Yeah, it, it Thinking was. I
0: want to try and make a difference. It
1: was um, because obviously by well we had a we had a supporters group just um, a supporters association mm-hmm. who were the official supporters group and were therefore seen by a lot of people to be too close to the oysters. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, there's some very good people in, who were members of that association, very dedicated Blackpool fans. So I'm not sort of going to get political about that. But you could understand why. And anything that was connected with them was tainted by association. So it was felt that they weren't challenged nearly enough. And of course, by. By 2013, um, everything was starting to unravel. We'd seen accounts, we could see all this money being moved out. There was Mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff going on. So a group of fans decided it was time to have an independent supporter group. Um, which was set up. Now, I wasn't involved in the setting up of that. Um, at, at that time, I had an awful lot of issues going on. My, my mum, bless her, I've mentioned already, by this time i got Alzheimer's and we were mm-hmm. trying to keep her in her own home and all this. I, I didn't have the time, to be honest. Um, but I did I've, become, seen the, I've
0: seen the effects of Alzheimer's and it's,
1: it's awful. It's not absolutely nice awful. Um, and I mean, I'll, I'll come. I'll revisit that actually because I have a little tale about that later. But um, so I just became a member of because I want. I've never been a member of a, of a supporters group in my life. I just went to games with my family and my friends, and that was it. But I felt like it needed numbers to start registering how deeply unhappy we were. Mm-hmm. Um, by 2014, it was. things were getting worse and it was decided that it would be better to turn us into an actual trust Um, because obviously I don't know if your listeners know but a supporters trust does have, it has a democratic mandate but it also has a a legal position um, and it it gives you a lot more credibility if you like and and you're able to do more things by being a a legally constituted trust so we all voted for it absolutely, Um, in fact I remember that first meeting to, to decide there were so many people turned up they had to have two meetings because not everybody could fit in in the room Yeah, yeah, it was was amazing Um, and and at one stage we had like about 2,500 members which Mm -hmm. for a a club that only has about I don't know (laughs) 10,000 regular Supporters, that's... then that's a significant number.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, I could, again, I can only make again my make, make no apologies for alluding to my own club, but I think Reading only have about 1, 1,500 members.
1: Yeah, if if people are generally okay with things, that the the they're not well apathy is a is a big deal. Yeah, but there was so much very obviously that was wrong and. and fans wanted to feel they could do something so even if it's just joining a trust it was like yeah let's all sort of band together there's that kind of unity um and and that was that was amazing because obviously the more the more members you've got the louder your voice oh
0: god yeah yeah.
1: Um, it's so, almost
0: a trade union for football supporters, yeah, it, isn't it? it
1: is. It is in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, although I would say probably more democratic than some <laughs> of <what I> have. <laughs> um, Yeah, so um, there was a gentleman called Tim Fielding who mm-hmm. was um, the first chair of the Trust. So I, I went to as many meetings as I, as I could. Um, by 2015, when we'd obviously... Uh, well, we, we got relegated at the end of that season, but prior to that, um, we'd ha- we'd started the 2014-15 season with only seven players. Yeah, um, and it, it was clear we had Jose Riga was our manager at that time. Yes, um, and I rate him highly, simply on the basis that he was one of the few managers ever that has. Openly sort of defied the oysters and, yeah. and generally by digging in, mm-hmm. wouldn't cover up for what was going on, um, and basically they sacked him. Yes. And that was it. Was kind of a culmination of lots of events, but I remember it's a famous thing now that in it was October 2014, and BBC Radio Lancashire regularly did phone-ins for fans, which I'd phoned up before. But I was so angry with what was going on. So I phoned up on this particular evening um, about... And and they they put me on hold. And I then listened to this interview that they'd done with Carl Oyston, You know, so arrogant and smug, it was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And then they came straight to me. And I was so... I was incandescent with rage about what was going on. So I I just... It went... Got it both barrels, Absolutely got it all out. And um, next thing I know, I came off the phone. And the next thing I know, like, I I mean, I had not been on Twitter very long, but it was all these people, all these sort of um, people started following me on Twitter and all this. And next thing, my nephew phoned up and went, that was amazing, that was amazing. And, oh, my goodness, I've got all these people saying, is that your auntie and all this? And I'm going, really, really? I I couldn't even tell you what I'd said. Mm -hmm. But basically, it became sort of one of the famous things that I think I managed to say what everybody else was feeling. I was
0: going to say, this this is something that went viral, and I'm pretty sure I I recall it. It
1: pretty much did. So Tim Fielding, who was the chair of the trust, um, managed to contact me through one of the fan message boards and basically said, would you like to be the spokesperson for the trust? So I was like, okay. Now, by this time, the Owysons were actually suing certain people, and unfortunately, Tim was one of them.
0: They, they 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 made a habit of going after fans, didn't they?
1: Oh, absolutely, they did. And mm-hmm. and, and there was obviously methods in 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 the madness. Um, although it turned to out to be the biggest own goal of all, yeah. because that there were a lot of people who were umming and eyeing about boycotting or whatever. But that was just the final story. It was yeah. like, can't I cannot accept this? Can't accept what they're doing. So um, so I basically became the spokesperson to begin with and I was co-opted onto the committee. Um, that was pretty scary, to be honest, because we were well aware that the Oystons were literally... Anybody that was talking about them publicly, they were trawling fan message boards, people's Facebook pages, anything to try the... In fact, they used to call it the defamation squad, yeah. to see who they could get. And suddenly, at that moment... <laughs> Mugsy here decides to stick around above the parapet and start speaking publicly. Yep. I even had to have in, indemnity insurance, just in public liability insurance, just right. in yep. case. Um, however, fortunately, you know, under those circumstances, you learn pretty quickly, yep. and I learned pretty quickly what I could say and what I couldn't. Yep. Um, and you know, I mean, I have done. I, I used to do public speaking at school and I sing in the choir, so I'm not. I'm not shy at speaking publicly. Let's put yep. it that way. Although I've, I've learned an awful lot in the last few years. Um, so I just started, you know, to, I took on this role and I make no apologies whatsoever for being, ending up being a bit of a media hall, but my job was to get the message out there, to make our story known. And that's,
0: that's the thing with uh, with supporters trusts, particularly when, um, particularly when you club <laughs> falls under hard times, mm-hmm. you, you're looking for an organisation and you're looking, fans need a figurehead Yes. and that's yeah. what the supporters trust is for, so you should never apologise no. for that.
1: No, no, I'll, I, well, I won't apologise for it because um, it, it, just, it just developed from there yeah. and then I, I mean, I ended up, so I was on the committee I then became the deputy chair and then um, in was it 2016 or 2017, I, 2017 um, I then became the chair of the mm-hmm. trust and that was really through yeah, the, the height of, of all the actions that, that were that going an on, um, and, and it was it was an incredible time, and yet it, it was a massive privilege to do it. And I will, to my dying day, I will. It's probably one of the best things I've ever done <laughs> and been part of, because I was part of something so much bigger than in, one individual, um, and the amount of supporters who got involved, and the amount of people who contributed to the campaign we ran, um, was was just. Oh, impressive! It really was. So, yeah, it was a massive privilege to do it, to mm-hmm. be honest.
0: So, how long were you were you chair of the sports trust for? Um,
1: three and a half years. Yeah, yeah. And I only stood down in February of this year because, I mean, normally, you know, we were sort of two to three years, and then you automatically step yeah. back.
0: Yeah, It's usually um, a constitutional period yeah, of time. Yeah, and I know we've read right. in again it's five years maximum. Yes.
1: Um, and I just felt that, you know, I've got lots of other things going on and I have now joined the, um, the FSA. I'm on the National Council there. And I felt, you know, the job for Blackpool, it, it was job done. And the trust has now moved into a completely different role because now we are actually welcomed by the club and we're very much um representing supporters and all blackpool fans you don't have to be mm-hmm. a member we still try to represent everybody do you have
0: representation on the um it's not the, uh, board? the sort of senior management yeah. board as it no
1: not not at the moment um, but that is very much part of this independent uh, this review that's yeah. going on the fan-led review
0: because one of the good things again <laughs> alluding to my own club thank right? no apologies um, one of the, they do actually have um, supporters trust at Reading representation on the board. Now, what influence they, they, have, they have necessarily, yeah. I don't know. And the Club of voluntarily opened up to that, uh, which, is, which is great from, from Reading's it, point it of view. It is, and there
1: are a number of clubs now that, that do do that. But how um, effective it is, or you, sometimes it's a, a tick-box exercise for some clubs. Yeah. Um, so this is how the, the, there is this fan-led review going on at the moment of football governance. That's come on the back of all lots of issues, not just the Blackpool situation, but losing club, a club like Berry, Covid, which has exposed so much, the Big Six and their um, mm-hmm. European uh, adventure. Oh, God, um, the
2: Super League. Yeah, the Super oh, League
1: yeah. and all of this. Well, it, I think it's kind of. Sometimes Nobody look can see at that. these things <laughs> as being really, in the long term, it's good that it's happened. Yeah. Because. The foundations of, of football are rotten, mm-hmm. absolutely rotten
0: and, uh, and the it, house
1: will not stay up No,
0: forever. And what so, it's done also is to completely expose what yep. the very top end of football is really all about.
1: Yeah, it, it has and it's in a way that has opened so many people's eyes very quickly, uh, as I say, I, I found out an awful lot through our throughout our campaign when it became so obvious that there was so much wrongdoing going on in our club, and yet we had nowhere to turn. There was yeah. literally nobody in our corner, and if we were going to sort it, we had to do it ourselves because nobody was going to really going to help us. Other other football clubs, of course, and we found other issues in other clubs. So I'd seen far too much to then. Just go. Oh well, we're all right now. Black, but we've got a great owner, mm-hmm. and and on that I'll say as well that we have got a great owner. But the way football is run, we are still vulnerable, like any club is vulnerable. One of the phrases I used to use regularly was: even if you're happy at the moment, you are only one owner away from a potential nightmare. Mm-hmm. And. You know, if something happened to Simon Sadler, heaven touch wood, she says. But you know, if he for some reason lost his money, couldn't continue, whatever, I don't know. But then the club could be sold, and we could be back to square one, yeah. and that's what needs to change yeah. for all football clubs. Yeah.
0: And again, I'll allude again to the previous episode with, with Weymouth fan James Warriner, Um, that, and I haven't read the um, the initial report into the um, the fan led review in any great detail. But I think what really needs to happen is, because at the moment the situation is that the Premier League do their own owners and directors test, the Football League, the National League, and all of the individual leagues, if they've got the resources to do what is necessary. Of course, this wouldn't apply to the Oystons because they took over before any of this was even dreamed, their pre-Premier League days. But nowadays, they're the league, um, that the competition owners. They oversee the competition. Mm-hmm. The governance of football is by the is run by the FA, and every single football club across every single league in England um, has to be an affiliated member of the Football Association. Do they not? Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, they sh- every club should pay, dependent on their status in in um, in the pyramid, should pay a certain amount into a um into a pot and that pot should be dedicated solely to being able to check Mm. potential new owners for football clubs Mm. and it should be across the board in my opinion now why the fa don't do that why they divvy that out to the football league or to the premier league well, maybe you can enlighten me to that.
1: Well, I can, I, actually, I can tell you quite a bit about this, and, and I have quite a good story for you, So, um, uh, which is, is pretty shocking. Um, yes, Owen Oyston was um, a convicted rapist, and I, again, mm-hmm. that is a matter of public record, because yep. he raped a 16-year-old girl and was mm-hmm. sent to prison for it. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody like that, of course, wouldn't be allowed anywhere near grassroots football. He wouldn't be allowed to buy a club these days. Um, but because his conviction happened before the um, football league's owner and director test came in, they always maintained that they could not apply it retrospectively.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, um, we actually eventually, Blackpool Supporters Trust, we had um, a QC who took this on. And basically rode a coach and horses through their in- interpretation of their own rules and said it was absolutely nonsense. There was absolutely <laughs> no reason why they couldn't apply it retrospectively. So that you know, it was nice to at least have that because we'd been saying this forever. But <clears throat> we Got to found love legal out. People haven't you? Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> but we found out years later it was about i think it was about 2018 it was david Conn, the journalist guardian yep, journalist, guardian journalist yep. and i my understanding is that he got it i think possibly from Carl carlos himself was that when blackpool were promoted to the premier league in 2010 the premier league actually do apply that regulation retrospectively so richard scudamore Yep. Who um, was the Questionable CEO character at time. In, a
0: fo- in a football uh, Inf- fan sense.
1: Exactly. Informed Owen Oyston that he, because of his conviction, he must divert, divest himself of his shares in Blackpool Football Club. Because uh, if Blackpool were to continue, he was not allowed to own the shares. Mm-hmm. But then nobody bothered to follow it up. And Owen, of course, didn't sell his shares. And then by the end of that season, sadly, we were relegated. We were relegated. So it just got swept under the carpet. Now, there was no communication between the Premier League and the EFL about these clubs that go up and down, which is quite staggering. Mm-hmm. So there was no suggestion saying, well, actually, you know, we've told him he's got to sell, sell the shares. Now he's your problem again because he's back in the championship. So should he not have perhaps had to reapply? And then they could have applied it then. But no, nothing was done about it. Nobody questioned how this compromised the integrity of the entire competition because we were then in the championship for the next five seasons Mm -hmm. and then there was an owner who had absolutely no interest in us being truly competitive and getting promoted again because he would have had to, at that time, then they would have had to have made him sell his shares. So, how shocking is that? That's
0: <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. And you know, on a on, you know, on on a on a very very um, superficial level, it's ridiculous. But delving deeper into that, um, and I'm not sure what, whether or not this this applies. But I'm fairly sure that one, you know, in, in common law, for example, if you set a precedent in a court mm-hmm. of law, um, then you know you, your previous actions count towards your future yes. behaviour. Yes. Mm. Now, so what's the point in having that regulation if you're not going to back it up?
1: Well, precisely.
0: What happens if, if you know, if, all right, necessarily you wouldn't, you wouldn't have an owner or director. Um, hopefully, you wouldn't have an owner or director that's convicted mm. of, of mm. not necessarily that that um, severity. It mm. goes quite deep down into. Mm. I want to call them relatively minor convictions, doesn't it? Mm. Um, but that does set a precedent, and it sets a massive precedent.
1: It does. And, and I, I still can't get my head around the fact that you've got the, the Premier League and the Football League who, in effect, come under the FA umbrella, mm-hmm. and yet they both apply the same regulation differently. How, how can that even be a thing?
0: And what's the point <laughs> of, the, you know, why, why aren't the FA ensuring that the Premier League are adhering to their own governance? Policy. Absolutely.
1: I, I so I, as chair of the trust, I wrote to Rich Scudamore when we found out yeah. about this, um, and I basically got an apology back where he said, "Yes, we failed. We should have done this. We should have done that." But nothing ever happened. And I said, "Well, it's obviously it's too late for us," but. Has anything been done about that? H- has, has that discrepancy, has that loophole been stopped? And the answer is no. I was able to tell that story to the, the fan led review panel mm-hmm. last month that was led by Tracy Crouch. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, they were all pretty staggered by it. Yeah. Yeah. It,
0: it's, it's quite astounding. It is. Um,
1: it really is. Well, the, the whole, you know, EFL regulations, um, if ever you have a bout of in, insomnia try reading it because we we sort of between us viewers we went through everything trying to see if there was something in there to, to force them into action ag- against the oysters and what mm-hmm. they were doing um and and they do have certain things in there certain powers but they just choose not to use them or choose as I say they they slip back into the we're just competition organizers yeah it's the fa and they use the fa and they go oh but no but that's the efl's responsibility it's like pass the regulatory parcel
0: yeah yeah, Keep I'm holding my music head. Stops. I'm holding my head, and I'm <laughs> shaking my head. I'm rubbing my brow. I'm doing everything. It's just like, oh, I think. Um, I think what they say on Soccer Saturday is unbelievable, Jeff. Um, yes, oh, it is. It's just mad, mad. So, who's actually responsible for um, the governance of football? The well, FA exactly. aren't doing their job. The Premier League aren't no. doing their job. The Football no. League aren't doing their job. What's no. the point?
1: Exactly. What What is the point? And as you say, like the the FL is like a. Um, a, a gentleman's club, really, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's an owners' club, and so as you've said earlier this evening, you know, the turkeys don't vote for Christmas. So there are a handful of owners, people like Andy Holt at Accrington Stanley, mm-hmm. who are very honest and who are trying to to do things properly. Yeah,
0: when it comes to fairer uh, financial distribution mm-hmm. and better governance, he talks yeah. a lot of sense. I don't yeah. agree with everything that he says, but he's He's got the interests of football at heart.
1: Well, he has, and as an owner, what he's trying to do is build Accrington Stanley up as a football club for its community so that eventually it can stand on its own two feet. He Mm -hmm. doesn't see himself as being the owner forever and ever and ever. So it's not an ego trip for him. He's actually genuinely trying to to do it properly. But as he's said many times, uh, the, the actual football regulations... Prevent people from doing it properly because they put so many obstacles in the way. Um, you know, whether it be um, the size of the pitch or, or, you know, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't have to deal with all of that. But there's the certain facilities that you've got to have, and it's like, could you not waive that really when you've got a small club that's perhaps just gone into a certain division? But they end up crippling themselves to, to achieve things that aren't really necessary, and yet the really big and important things that the, the football authorities just don't get involved with. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy.
0: No, absolutely. So you mentioned Andy Holt, um, going back a, a few steps, a little bit of a tangent then. Um, where were we with that? Um, um, own, owners. <laughs> owners,
1: yes, owners. Um, so I think it's just sort of going... Well, in fact, we were talking about me and getting involved with the supporters' trust and, and all of this that was going on. And um, I should mention Valeri Bellacom perhaps at this point because mm-hmm. he, he was partially an owner um, he had 20% share in, in Blackpool Football Club um, and yet he was once we got to the Premier League he was sidelined
0: yeah. completely
1: um, they actually changed the articles of association at the club so that the voting rights were changed Um amazingly, in favour, in favour of, of the Oysters. Yes. So it, they only needed 75% uh, for, for voting on whatever was going to happen at the club. And amazingly, Mr. Oyston just happened to have 75%. <laughs>
0: That's yeah. a surprise, isn't oh, it? I'm sure you're surprised yeah. by that. What a cynical move.
1: Um, <laughs> and Valerian. Yeah, the ended nicest up, possible. Um, way. He'd, he'd, he'd you know, invested a lot of money. And as it as it turned out later, he had various agreements in place that would meant that he actually should have. of the football club. Mm -hmm. So um, we did have, or Tim Fielding and and the early BST had some connection with Valerian and and, um, were basically saying, you know, can you help what's going on? Um, So the plan was drawn up that he, as an investor, a financial investor in a business, had recourse to law. Now, us as supporters, of course, we have nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, But he did. So he launched a legal action for unfair prejudice against the Oystons, mm-hmm. which obviously was such a catalyst for what happened later mm-hmm. on. Um, and he he won hands down and uh, it went on for some time, but eventually he he won in handsomely in court in London, and we were all there to support him when he did, mm-hmm. and was awarded almost 32 million pounds. Yeah. Um, and, but the really important thing from our perspective as supporters, was that during all that court case, Valeri had this amazing legal firm called Clifford Chance and they dug up everything Mm -hmm. and the evidence that was produced there is no way we as supporters would ever have got our hands on any of that Mm -hmm. but this was just a godsend so we suddenly had all this evidence of all this wrongdoing and all that had been going on, not only did it prove to the people who had perhaps supported the Oysters along the way that actually they were not as benevolent as they'd tried to claim Um, but it gave us something to give to the football authorities to say now are you going to do something amazingly they still didn't that probably won't shock you Um, (laughs) but they didn't now luckily for us the legal action coupled oh, that, with that was
0: sorry, just to interrupt. Sorry, that okay. was a that was that was just a closed <laughs> eyes, another withering shake of the head <laughs> from problem. me. I That's should right. be saying stuff because people can't see what's going on.
1: <laughs> Twelve months after um, this legal action had been, and there was a 163 pages to the judge's document.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, 12 months later there was, there was still no action from the EFL even though we had sent everything to them we actually did we got 163 Blackpool fans and we laminated every page of that judgement and we had a big photograph taken of us all holding up one page and then we sent it to every media outlet we could and of course we sent it to the EFL <laughs> to say What it's here, it's been here for 12 months what are you doing about it just to try and shame them into doing something, it was absolutely unbelievable, Mm -hmm. frankly but fortunately for us, because of that, we had an amazing judge who it was an Arsenal fan and understood football <laughs> and yep. throughout all of these court hearings the courts had been rammed with very well behaved Blackpool fans nobody put a foot wrong and given the emotions that were running that that's, that was quite something and it became part of the court case that the fact that running alongside this legal action between two businessmen was a community asset that was getting battered Mm -hmm. and the judge understood that so when it came to A Lads A and Owen Oyston had still not paid up I think he'd paid the first 10 million but the the, the judge realised what was going on Mm -hmm. and so this action that the Blackpool fans took, the campaign, the boycott, there was bundles and bundles of information, you know, newspaper cuttings, everything. So they were well aware of what we were doing, Mm -hmm. and they knew, the judge understood, that while Oyston remained, the fans would never go back, because it had got to that point. So that formed part of his ruling, and he... um, he appointed a, a receiver only over the football, Mr. Oyston's football assets. Yeah. Now, he could he could have appointed a receiver over all his other assets, but Owen does actually own a great deal of of land and property yeah. some round here in Lytham. Mm-hmm. And technically if he'd sold that, he could have paid Valerie off and still hung on to the football club. Yeah. Why you would want to by that stage, but he wasn't you know, his behaviour was not normal.
0: It strikes me as the sort of person that would do that just to spite.
1: Yes, ab- absolutely, just to spite. And even even his his son Carl, who hated the supporters and all the rest of it, but he'd realised that you know really the game was up, yeah. and what was left of the family's inheritance was sort of going down the toilet as as time went by, and he knew it was finished. So I think he tried he tried to throw his own dad under the bus by telling the FL various things. Yeah. Um. So the whole family kind of imploded. But still Owen hung on and hung on and hung Mm -hmm. on and wouldn't sell the club. So eventually, it came down to the judge appointing a receiver and he was forcibly removed over the football assets assets only. only, So it was actually stated in court that he did that because of the fan action. So what we did, that was total vindication for the very difficult campaign that we ran over so many years. Because obviously there are people, and I, I understand if you don't understand what had gone on, criticise the fact that we boycotted that we stayed away you should Mm -hmm. just support your team and all of that but in actual fact it was we had to do it it was literally the only way we had Mm -hmm. to get rid of a disease that was literally killing our club
0: from that particular point in time um, where you're you know clearly we've gone down a a little bit down to sort of the court action in more detail though I mean how did it get to that point Mm -hmm.
1: Well, it, it, obviously it was a, a gradual process. I mean, we didn't just all it's, wake up yes, one morning. Yes, it's absolutely and start years.
0: It's decades of
1: it, 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 mismanagement, that's exactly isn't what it? Is. Um, as I said, the Oystons had had the club for over thirty years, and in that time, you know, uh, that's, ironically, Blackpool's the Blackpool motto for the town is progress, mm-hmm. and that's the, the badge that we had on our shirts. Um, and yet, as we all said, really, it should be regressed because <laughs> we, we we hadn't made any proper progress apart from really when Valeri Bellicon came in and made the, the, mm-hmm. these, these investments. And, and by some, I don't know, aligning of the stars, we got to the Premier League. But so just quickly rev- rev- going back from that, we had, as Blackpool fans, we had criticized and complained about the way the Oysters have run the club almost from the word go. Mm -hmm. It was evident that they ran the club for their own benefit. They're certainly not the only owners to do that and I think because of that you put up with it. All football fans put up with it to a degree um, because that's the way football's run and what else can you do. So you try to focus on the positive bits, well yes he did save the club, he has done this, he has done that and you kind of just have to ignore the rest. But there had been, we'd had coffin marches, we'd had marches to the home. We'd when when things had got very difficult in the past, um, we'd had uh, fans play, paying for footballers because the 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 Oysons would not pay for for players to come in. So we actually had a buy a player fund and things like that. So you know, controversy was part of, of their ownership all the way through and that's important to those who think that it was just because we got to the Premier League and then we were throwing our toys out the pram because we weren't there anymore it absolutely was not about that at all but what the Premier League did that, sorry that strikes me fine. yeah
0: that strikes me as though that that might be um, criticism from fans who are fans of Premier League clubs that aren't necessarily aware of what's going of what's, on lower down yeah. lower down the, the pyramid
1: exactly absolutely and um <laughs> We're talking about a campaign that was run by people who literally, like myself, lifelong fans. Live and breathe the club. Absolutely. Who's generational. So I'm a third generation fan. There are others the same. Um, And it was not something that came easily to us at all. Mm -hmm. So to begin with... You, when you realised that we got to the Premier League and there's all this money came into the club, so you think, even the oysters can't mess this up, surely? Mm-hmm. You know, this, this should secure the future of the club.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, permanently, really, if it's invested properly. And I think all Blackpool fans, we expected to get in the Premier League, get battered every week, just have a bit of a, a laugh, and we'd be back in the Championship, but hey, we've got all this money so we can start building. That's what we wanted to do. That's what we expected to do.
0: But you went to Wigan on the first day of the season and you batted them 4-0. Indeed we did. And, <laughs> and in
1: actual fact, again, just because of this, this unbelievable combination of Holloway and the way he inspired the players and that squad we had. I mean, we still have good relationships with a lot of those players. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they were amazing and, and they, they were so much more than the sum of their, their individual parts without yep. a doubt. So certain individual players, you know, you, you think that of them coming from like League 2 clubs and all sorts. And you yet they they didn't just turn up each week we performed and, and mm-hmm. people enjoyed watching blackpool let's be honest yeah. it was oh, no, they're, they're a hell of a ride in holloway's
0: football just attack well, score it, it as was. many goals it, as you it can was,
1: it was frightening sometimes it was absolutely gung-ho and mental but my goodness what a ride it was just amazing you know you score four goals we'll score five it was that's how it how it went and it was exhilarating is what I'm saying and sometimes it was an absolute joy to watch it really really was so again you have to question um, you know we, we got promoted and straight away the problem started because there was there was no proper investment we've got this awful training ground and and as Holloway said later the only legacy was some new sprinklers yeah. um, at Bloomfield Road um, and, and it started with um Charlie Adam actually because Charlie Adam our talisman our captain so fundamental to how the the, the team ticked so fundamental to us getting there in the first place and he ended up having to take Carl Oyston or the Oystons to court to get a bonus that the players were entitled to
0: promotion bonus wasn't it
1: well, it was actually it was, was a it? no relegation bonus. Right. So Valeri had given them this promotion bonus, which they got. But they'd also been at the start of that season, they had been given a, 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 a sort of target of not this getting is, relegated. This is the champion,
0: the championship is, for relegation bonus.
1: That's right. Yes. Yep. Um, so they, of course, we didn't get relegated. So they were absolutely 100% entitled to that bonus as well, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't pay it. So Charlie took them quite rightly, took them to court, and he won. But you're thinking, so here we are, this wonderful journey, this, is this adventure we've got. We're in the Premier League, and straight away you've got this, uh, this, this uh, aggression going on. And, and how does that make your captain feel towards the owners of the, of the football club? Mm-hmm. This is not good. Um, and then, of course, you know the, the signings we didn't, we got to the January transfer window. Matt Jilks, our keeper, who had been such a a significant part of, of, of the Premier League journey up till then um, was injured and was out for the rest of the season. Um, but it, they wouldn't spend any money. We we just got, you know, temporary fill-ins. And, mm-hmm. and, and so the alarm bells start ringing because you're thinking, if you're not willing to actually invest a little bit to keep us in the Premier League, where, you know, the money and all the rest of it... What the hell's going on but of course at that point we didn't know that Owen had already been told he had to sell his shares Yeah, so you know conspiracies and all the rest of it. Here we go The the, the light starts to to shine in doesn't it as to what the thinking is Um, So that that was bad enough. So then we got relegated um, we lost certain players because again they don't tie them down to proper contracts. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ian Holloway was on a 12-month rolling contract. He was the goose that laid the golden egg, and yet they still wouldn't give him a proper contract. All these things going on. Um, incredibly, because we still had the, the, the core of, of the team when we were in that championship season, we then got back. To, we nearly got back at the first time of asking.
0: Play a final. Play, play a time. final,
1: West Ham scandal attached to that as well because we didn't we didn't sell all of our tickets so we ended up with a lot of west ham fans in the blackpool end and Mm -hmm. there was a lot of trouble and uh now i don't know whether it's been proved or not so i i have to be careful what i say but somebody um allowed those tickets to go to west ham fans yep um and it has been alleged that you know it, it might have been an inside job but we don't know but it wasn't good um so we didn't we didn't get there we we lost as you know um and in a way now i'm actually glad should have
0: won as well we should have
1: Remember won yes, we should. but i'm actually glad because as has been proved it would they would just have trousered even more money yeah um so i think all of this had to happen to expose the real corruption that was at the heart of our of our football club. So from then onwards, it was just a downward spiral. Yeah. Holloway absolutely lost his his mo- motivational skills because he just had had enough, and who can blame him? Yeah. So of course he he left, and then we ended up with you know I think we had six managers in however long I don't I don't retain these kind of facts, but there was an awful lot of managers yeah. came and went. We disappeared down the divisions.
0: Um, Holloway, Holloway left, didn't he? He uh, did. And then he had a little break and ended up at Palace and got them promoted in 2013, yes, didn't yeah, he? That's yeah, that's
1: absolutely right. Yeah. Um, we had Michael Appleton, who was there for six weeks,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I think, again, from what I've heard, uh, saw the light pretty quickly. And, mm-hmm. and again, I don't blame anybody for, for doing a disappearing act. I can't believe anybody actually ever wanted to work for them. Um, so it, it just then, fans started questioning what was going on, um and then this is when the suing of fans began um so tim fielding as i've mentioned before was the first chair of bst he actually um on a message board basically said it was um misappropriate asset stripping sorry asset stripping which of course later it was proved it absolutely was but because at that point he couldn't prove it um they threatened to take him to court for defamation he couldn't he was a, a solicitor yeah. So he could not afford to go to court and lose. Yeah. And as he we didn't have all the evidence we needed at that point, he had to basically pay them £10,000 of his own money mm-hmm. and publish a grovelling apology that they had written. Um, and he wasn't the only one. And this went on, I think there were 20-odd cases in the end. So you can...
0: Smoke and mirrors, isn't begin it? ...begin
1: to understand the the toxic feeling that there was around the club, the anger and the complete and utter breakdown of the relationship between the supporters and Oyston. Yeah. He he you know we were all Oyston out, it became the Oyston Out campaign. Before we before we started with not a penny more, we were still trying to reason with them, although how do you reason with the unreasonable? We were still trying to get them to to see sense. Um, so the boycott didn't start immediately. But by the end of the 2014-15 season, we'd been relegated, last home game, played Huddersfield. Um, We'd had this almighty march and protest before the game, which was fantastic. It was peaceful. It was brilliant. Everybody turned out. Um, But then about 200 fans occupied the pitch in the second half and the match was abandoned. Um, And... To be honest, that was, for me, that was the end of it. I was already part of the trust by then. I didn't go on the pitch, um, but I had a season ticket for, two, we had a, they'd done a two-year deal, and mm-hmm. a lot of people were on that two-year deal. We were only one season through it, um, but for me, I, I'm like, I'm done. I yeah. cannot continue to, to endorse them with my money or my presence. They've already got my money for end of the season, but I'm not coming in and spending another penny so, yeah. and and I'm not going to actually physically come in because to me I was kind of supporting not supporting but as I say allowing them to continue yeah. so I started boycotting then as did many some had, had started before that um, but the real numbers um, you know the empty stadium really hit at the end of the when the two year deal ran out yeah. and that was it people just said we're done we're, yeah. we are, we're not doing this anymore and to be honest it wasn't picked up enough in the media because as you know with cameras they can they only focus on certain areas Mm -hmm. and the people who were still going were all shoved together in in one area but certainly by 2016 2017 you were looking at a 1000 to 1500 people maximum and sometimes Less than that, yeah. and they were then Between giving free tickets. So, yeah, giving yeah. free tickets away to school kids and all of this, and and even the free tickets weren't being taken up because yeah. nobody wanted to be involved with them anymore. Yeah. Um, and I can honestly say it's one of the hardest decisions I've had to make, and it was absolutely horrible to stay away from my, my football club that I'd supported from being a child and my whole family and friends and everybody was doing it. But to say, to, to, to explain how it affected people, we weren't just plastics who'd turned up in the Premier League, we were lifelong. Mm-hmm. Um, and people like my mum, who by this time had got Alzheimer's, as I say, she, she'd supported them since she was a child, been at the cup finals. Um, all of the cup finals not just the one that we won mm-hmm. and going to football we felt that we got mum back for a couple of hours so I don't know anybody if people listening know about alzheimer's and what it does but music and things like that memories mm-hmm. can really make a difference so I would take her. she got so excited about going and when we were at the ground it, she just it, it long-term, her...
0: long-term memory seems, yeah. seems to seems to, to be not unaffected but um, it, it, there's a lot of a lot of stuff still stored up there isn't yep. there and yet short term memory they won't be able to tell, yep. tell you what they had to eat 10 minutes ago
1: that's absolutely right and that's <laughs> exactly how it was and she'd still sing the songs and she'd get all you know then halfway through she'd go who are we playing and things <laughs> like that but it didn't yeah. matter but My mum, she was kind of aware what was going on at that stage. We could have kept taking her for probably another couple of seasons, but we didn't renew her season ticket either. Mm -hmm. My mum was a a woman of principle, and there's absolutely no way she would have... have, If she was making her own decisions, there's no way she would have gone. So we did what we felt was right. But that was especially hard, and sadly, my mum died in 2018, so Mm -hmm. she didn't actually live to see us get get back. And she was not the only one there was there was many people sadly passed away during those years so that's a real raw emotional connection to to this situation and and having to feeling that we had no choice to do what we did um it, it didn't come easy no it didn't
0: no absolutely and that boycott lasted four and a half years didn't it, it
1: did indeed yeah. so the supporters trust we we started up what we Jokingly called our outdoor office because of course we had no link with the club so we, we were homeless mm-hmm. so bef- before every single game in every competition from August 2015 until the homecoming game in March 2019 we manned um, an area outside the main entrance at Bloomfield Road, we'd put our banners down We handed out leaflets to visiting fans explaining what the boycott was about, asking people not to spend money in the club, and saying, you know, please give your business to local fish and chip shops, the local Mm -hmm. pubs, because they were so badly impacted by the reduced crowds. Um, But we just you know encouraged people not to go and we manned that literally for the whole four and a half years didn't miss a game I mean I'm not saying as an individual I didn't miss a f- I, I didn't miss many but between us between we manned you, it yeah. and that's, um, that's, which was a heck of a a, a job what you you say that, that's <laughs> Quite an a, achievement
0: that's a, you know, that's four, I mean, four seasons of, of home games just league games is 23 so that's well over a hundred a hundred yeah. games including cup games
1: yeah absolutely we did all sorts of things to keep the links with the community we did food bank collections and got people to come outside um we did uh, you, you know when it's remembrance and, and they usually do the the minute silence and everything we did it outside and we mm-hmm. got we got we had more people outside joining out at the things we were doing than were all going, going in. inside um, we it's always, almost a
0: picket line isn't it. Well, it, was, was, yeah, there, was, there any, was there, was there any, any issues with the people that were still going?
1: Yeah, a, a few. Um, it wasn't as bad as, as it could have been, it wasn't as bad as some tried to make out yeah. um, but yes emotions run high and when you're a long way into a campaign and, and you can't see an end to it and you're hurting because you can't go in and yet you've still got a thousand people or so who are still going in and making it possible for the oysters to function yep. um yeah it, it's it's quite hard i personally i was the chair of the trust i'm a very diplomatic person mm-hmm. i would not have, I, there's no way over a football matter i would have, have got into real Bad debate with people, but I would argue the point. But live and let live, people. It's a democracy. People can do what they want. Yeah, people have have
0: the right to their to their own autonomous decision, don't they? They do. Um, And I think Um, that's the way that's the way I look at it. Is is I I wouldn't necessarily. uh, Clearly, I've never been in that scenario. Um, I wouldn't want people to be to, to do that. You know, no. if you're not fighting for your cause,
1: no, that's right.
0: That's their own. That's their own personal choice but, to be able I mean,
1: to do that. You know, we had a sense of humour. We ended up with a real sort of uh, camaraderie amongst us outside, really, mm-hmm. um, which ca- sort of went some way to replacing what you'd lost from from the match day. Obviously, not the same, but it, it kept us going. We kept ourselves motivated. We actually had um, a young man who started up a, a range of merchandise that was not a penny more. Mm-hmm. So um, it was all. Blackpool FC stuff, but not the official stuff. And he launched um, an alternative shirt, which BST backed, yeah. um, and a donat- he gave a donation for every shirt sold to BST funds, which we've then gone on to use. Yeah. In fact, we're just about to use some of it to um, purchase football shirts for Year Two children in old schools in Blackpool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, and it was put, you know, it was a charitable. Um, causes, but again, it was the right thing at the right time. Our alternative shirt totally outsold the official home shirt, mm-hmm. and again, it, it gave it was like getting behind you a flag,
2: yeah. And
1: we all wore it, and it gave us a sense of an identity at a time when we didn't really have one,
2: yeah.
1: Um, so th- there was lots of things that we did. It was an amazing campaign. The more I think about it looking back, I think, heck, how did we do all yeah. that? Yeah, but, but between us all, you know, we did, and um. Hey, it worked, didn't it? it? Well,
0: clearly it did, and I think one, one of the things that that um, one of the points that I've been itching to make uh, ever since ever since we arranged mm-hmm. this, there's a lot of people in football that say fans have no voice or fans have no power, and this is the absolute epitome of fan power, isn't mm-hmm.
1: it? It absolutely is, and that that was the message I was trying to get across that. Um, football without fans really is nothing mm-hmm. i think people have seen a, a little bit of it with covid you know the how soulless those empty stadiums are um so,
0: crowd noise yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. so
1: really what is it what is it about if it isn't for all of us what what is football for yeah. um and i think fans do need to realize how powerful they can be when when you're Brave enough to do the right thing and acting in unity. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, as I say, this 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 independent review, this fan-led review, and it really is fan-led um, of of the way football is. I believe is going to make a massive, massive difference, and and not before time. It's yeah. a huge job. I mean, don't don't underestimate how difficult no, it sure. is because it is a mess. But it's happening, and I think the more it does, the more individual football fans will start to realise that actually. I can do something, I can be part of, of something. I think every every fan that turned up with us when we did marches on the FL offices in, in Preston, um, and a lot of people were going, I don't even know why I'm here, because they, they won't take any notice. I said, but you can't think that way. No. You don't know what a difference it will make. And And here we are some years down the line, but all of those actions that every person did are now making a difference.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, and not just for Blackpool, fo- Blackpool football club. For everybody, but for everybody yeah. in football.
1: And how good is that? That something good is coming out of something that mm-hmm. was so bad.
0: We spoke about precedents earlier, um, in behavioural precedents, and this is a precedent for every other football club.
1: Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. Not just
0: well, not just in the Premier League or the Football League, no. but across.
1: Well, Blackpool Supporters Trust. At the moment, we are supporting six different. Uh, clubs, mm-hmm. supporters from six different clubs who have got various issues um, and That's just simply because of, of the experience and what we've been through yeah. and trying to sort of Advise and I know how much it meant to us when people from other clubs came up and gave us some support mm-hmm. um, Knowing that we weren't completely alone was it really mattered and yeah. it kept us going um, And so I think that you know on the pitch you've got your rivalries, that's fine, but off the pitch we're, we are all football, and that's yeah. what it's all about.
0: Are there, did you have any? When it comes to the legal costs yeah. um, of the barristers, did, did they? Did anybody give any uh, their um, their their time pro bono, or did they? Did they charge? Or well, how easy was it to get that legal representation?
1: Um, well, obviously, the, the the court cases was Valeri Bellicon, not not us. Yeah, yeah. Um, And obviously, he that all he, he paid for all of that. But we did develop a really good relationship with the team that were representing him, obviously mm-hmm. the entirely professional. But um, I think they really enjoyed having all these football supporters and realizing what was going on mm-hmm. um, and what that this case wasn't just a dry as dust um, financial thing, which is what. I mean Clifford Chance this 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 branch of Clifford Chance deal with that kind of of of, of business case financial cases Um, it was suddenly it was I think it was probably more exciting for them than that because Mm -hmm. there was a lot more riding on it than just the the two businessmen and I do know that um, we, we had during the court cases we actually had um, people in court writing, making notes of everything that had gone on, and then every day we called it Justice for Fans. We put up a, a summary of the day's action, mm-hmm. um, and in actual fact, the um, chatting with some of the, the, the guys from Clifford Chance on the train home at the end of each day, they immediately got onto it's called AVFTT, another view from the Tower, our message board, and they were reading all the stuff that we were putting down. They were they were really quite connected to it Um, and I was very fortunate to uh, Mr. Bellicon's QC, a gentleman called Andrew Green Mm -hmm. or the Flashing Blade as somebody once called (laughs) him what an amazing man at the top of his game, wow absolutely fantastic and and I actually said to him you know for you you, you'll have done cases that are much more um, you know much much bigger and worth more than this, um, much more high profile, I said but I can honestly say to you that whatever cases you do you will never have so much gratitude from so many people that you don't Mm -hmm. even know because what you have done has literally saved our football club Um, and he said actually he said it's made me remember why I got into law in the first place which isn't that lovely I mean isn't that just fantastic I think it was like you know the goodies versus the baddies Um, it it, it was just amazing so it was through them that we were um, contacted by a QC who offered his services pro bono to look at all the, the, the EFL regulations. Yeah. So he did all that work for us for nothing. We were prepared to, to do a Just Giving page or something, you know, crowdfunding for mm-hmm. it, but it wasn't necessary. I think
0: if you'd have set that up, there's no question that you'd have raised the funds needed I, to, I think, I think to, we to deal with.
1: Well, going back to the Oyston suing people, um, th- there was lots of people were sued but there was one uh, gentleman in particular called Frank Knight um, and he was a pensioner
0: yes I and, remember this yeah
1: and um, almost tw- nothing to his name twenty five thousand pounds um he had to pay them mm-hmm. um and it somebody set up a just giving page and it that went viral and we had people like I don't know Russell brand and um, I don't know, all sorts All sorts of... There's a name
0: that's been mentioned on the podcast before as well. Again, I think we spoke um, uh, before, around when you mentioned the FSA and Amanda Jacks, uh, Russell Brand got involved with the West Ham and she just said he jumped out of a limousine absolutely dripping with sex, drugs and rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely.
1: Well, the, the thing is, though, you need people like that. And we had, I don't know, Rachel Riley and Jason Manford and various mm-hmm. people who just... You know, jumped on this yeah. and donated. And I think within about three days, the money yeah. was raised for for him, um, which which was a big relief, of course. Um, so it was things like that that kind of helped us with our campaign because yeah. it exposed again what, what was going on. So social media is so very important. Yeah. yeah.
0: In, and in again, that that's, that's, you know, you mentioned that, that the whole suing things backfired yeah. on the oysters, um, worked against them, and that's just yeah. one. one is obviously, the most high profile um, uh, case, but yeah,
1: I think in fact, um, Joey, gap- ba- Joey Barton, the bad boy of football, um, he said something about them and, and yeah. they, they sued him as well. So, uh, yeah, you know.
0: I, the boycott worked, didn't it? it and on did. the 9th of March 2019, and there's a wonderful video that I've been watching a lot of recently, and I saw it when it first came out um, in front of I think it's the North Stand, isn't it? That's the one, that's from the away end. That's or what the the the, the temporary stand, it's yes. the one to the right, isn't yes, it? Yes, that's
1: right. Yeah, yes. With the drum and everything in it. Yeah.
0: And there's a camera in front of the North Stand and it's just six minutes, seven minutes, however long it is, of just continual chanting.
1: Correct. <laughs>
0: Woke up this morning feeling <laughs> fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wonderful video. Um that must have been almost a homecoming.
1: Well, that's why we, we you know, we've called it the homecoming game and um it it, it kind of it sounds silly to say it all happened so fast because, of course, it had taken a very long time to mm-hmm. get there. But once the receiver was in, mm. um, there was a bit of a delay. Uh, we, we weren't sure which game we were going to be able to have the first game back because it took a while for them to get hold of the bank accounts. Yep. Um, we had, we were due actually to play Oxford the, uh, just before that, and um, but it was like, no, don't because you, your money will be going to the yeah, wrong place. Yeah, yeah. So don't do it yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, so eventually, it was decided it would be South mm-hmm. Um f- From the trust perspective, we rallied the troops and we ended up with something like 200 volunteers who went in. We went in all that week, cleaning, trying to clean the stadium up. Yeah, a stadium that had been—I mean, it wasn't in a good st- way anyway. But obviously, hadn't
0: nothing had been cleaned been, or anything had it. It and was covered in there's pigeon fair poo and a few seagulls oh, and Blackpool, seagulls, aren't
1: there? It was absolutely revolting but we got the rubber gloves out and we got we bought a load of kit and we just literally started at one end and worked all the way around um and the feeling doing that 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 was it was such an experience because it brought started to bring everybody together it was like. Setting foot back inside after all those years, um going and sitting in my old seat, you know, and things like oh, it was just <laughs> a, it, i, I can 't tell you how it felt. Um, we had some of the players who let 's be honest, most of us didn 't really know the players because mm-hmm. we hadn't, yeah. we hadn't watched them we, we, there'd been this awful disconnect between us and 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 the the club and the the team really um It was it was just amazing, and they came out, and some of them got the rubber gloves on and helped us, you know. And there was lots of media attention on it. Um, But on the actual day, we'd arranged a march along from the tower, Blackpool Tower, to the ground. Um, We weren't sure how many people would come, and it was just amazing. If you've seen the video, you see Mm -hmm. it was just a sea of people waving tangerine banners and flags and. It was just wonderful. It really, yeah. it really was. Um, and the game itself—I mean, the actual game—was pretty much an irrelevance, if, if I'm honest.
0: Ninety-minute <laughs> equaliser, though, so you got your bounce, well, exactly. Didn't you? <laughs> so we got a, a real
1: bounce, and that was great. It a crack but it own goal was, as well. It, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just everybody there, people, people from the town turned, you know, came and said, "I don't really do football, but this is amazing. I mm-hmm. want to be there." So. Um, getting emotional now <laughs> thinking about it. It really was just the most wonderful day. Um and, and to get into it, I mean I've I, I used to sit in the south stand, I'd season ticket there for years, because um, my mum liked it there, but mm-hmm. um, unfortunately mum had, had passed away by this time. So I moved back into the north which used to be the cop so that's really my spiritual home so the um, south
0: stand is the one that backs on to onto, actually, actually onto Blue on Blue from Road, Road, isn't it yes yeah. yes yeah.
1: that's right um so yeah i'm back on the old cop on the north on the north stand mm-hmm. um and and the place was just packed to the rafters uh absolutely fantastic And of course, we didn't have an owner then i mean simon Sadler didn't actually buy the club until mm-hmm. june yeah you
0: were in receivership um,
1: we were exactly mm-hmm. um but we had a, a really good interim board who who Totally grasped what had gone on, and uh, wow! I mean, I'm not sure how we managed to get it ready in time to get people through those doors. But did Blackpool take we a did. penalty
0: for going going into um, getting the receivers in that year, or is that something slightly different because it was caught? Um...
1: Um, there, there was yeah, there was a lot of, of discussion about it, but no, in, in the end, I don't think we we did because mm. we we act, appealed about it and said you know it, it was terribly unfair. Um, and I mean, at the, at the end of the day, the whole situation at Blackpool was that—not not, not that—it
0: um, wasn't financial mismanagement it that, was, that, 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 dealt, that dealt you that hand, was it? It no, was a court decision based a, on the ownership. That,
1: that's absolutely right. So I think in the end, um, they they let it go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the few sensible decisions. <laughs> yes quite yeah (laughs) um yes just 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 a a a fantastic wonderful day that i will never ever ever forget Mm -hmm.
0: ever and it's it was the culmination of well pretty much almost a decade of hard work wasn't it
1: yeah yeah that that that's not um you're not wrong there um but yeah being being away for so long and and actually walking through and into that stadium was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. and There were, there were a, a lot of tears shed that day. Yes, I can, imagine. I can imagine. The salt water didn't just come from the sea that day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so, um, but no, that's, that's a real, I it just goes to show how long it can take for, in this country, fans to get what is really needed for mm-hmm. their club. Yeah shouldn't take 10 years though should it
1: It, it of course it should not it should never ever have come to that and and the fact that the the the, the supporters of a an old football club felt historic football club. The historic football club should have to take those such drastic steps basically to save it um it is is wholly wrong but there we go. And, 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 and for me, I'm always looking for the positives. And, and I just think that, you know, our problem was part of a much bigger problem in football. Mm-hmm. So all these things, you know, things that are wrong have to come to the surface for you to be able to see them and deal with them. Yeah. And that's clearly what is happening now.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so that's a good thing because, you know, we'll have a, we'll have a better um, system
0: yeah.
1: going forward.
0: And you mentioned. Um, earlier that, yeah, in, in terms of the 2010 promotion team, uh, that team was a was a, a, a team that was basically, the, the sum of the whole was greater than the sum of the individual yes. parts. And I think that goes for the fan-led review. Yeah. And you mentioned, again, I can't remember if we recorded it or not, but you mentioned that Blackpool Sports Trust were given an individual spot yeah. of the, the issues that they'd faced. Yeah. And of course, you know, Blackpool aren't alone in that. The, 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 the issues that they faced were, were clearly... Very unique mm. to Blackpool Football Club and to football, um, but there's a number of other clubs that have that have had ownership issues. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the clubs that I've got coming up uh, to record with uh, Heather McKinley at mm-hmm. uh, Charlton Athletic. Yes, I yeah, know Heather. Um, I've got a couple of personal friends of mine who are fans of Torquay United mm-hmm. and Exeter City, um, and all of these clubs have a story to tell yes, about indeed. the problems that exist mm-hmm. within football mm-hmm. and what. Needs to change, yep. and the thing is, it's it's almost half of the clubs. It well, what it,
1: well, it is the ninety two, mm-hmm.
0: if not if not more.
1: Yeah, um, and and that's it. It, it. It's just the the whole concept of a football club being a business is wrong. I'm not against business, not at all, but football clubs are community assets. They are social enterprises. They are not like any other business.
0: That's a perfect way of putting it. And in my very first. Podcast with Jamie Butler. It was a little bit of a ramble with him, but we had a good old discussion. He's a good friend of mine. I made the point that football clubs are um, socialist entities in a capitalist world. Yeah, yeah. And the two don't really marry very well. Do they? They don't.
1: They don't at all. And and I am I'm, I'm constantly aware that how we as supporters view our club and what it means to us and how we think it should be is completely at odds with most owners and the reasons that they're in, in, mm-hmm. into football and why they're owning football clubs. And whilst they will um, pay lip service to the whole, I'm a fan and you know this is uh, I'm passionate about the club and whatever, but a lot of them are not really. Nope. <laughs> it's, it's something that is manufactured to keep the supporters coming and keep them going through the doors and buying all those shirts and turning up for games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think th- the last few years, I could see the cynical manipulation of, of supporters. It, it was like the scales fell from my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, I, I actually I fell out of love with football generally. Yeah. I found it very hard to watch any football at all during that time. And I'm certainly not the only one. Um, no, absolutely not. at not. all. No. Um, simply for that reason, because I'm thinking it's, we're all so idealistic, really, about it, aren't we? And um, and there's nothing idealistic about it. Yeah. Um, and, and it makes you realise how much of that um, is, is manufactured. Yeah. Um, and, and, but, so we're at odds, and, and we, we somehow need to we need to get back to the roots of football and what it's all about. And I was talking, I mean, I, we have a good relationship with Accrington Stanley and, and, mm-hmm. and Andy Holt, and... Um, I was chatting to a chap who's an Accrington Stanley fan um because as it happened when the receiver was appointed the game the first game that they were gone was actually away we were away at Accrington Stanley on the Tuesday night before the homecoming game so we went there and Andy Holt bless him he invited us to go in for a drink with him and that because he'd been very helpful to mm-hmm. us and I was chatting to somebody who is now you know very committed to Accrington Stanley but who'd been a Manchester City fan really through generations in his mm-hmm. own family, but he had become so sickened by the whole plastic Premier League corruption, yeah. whatever you want to call it. He said, he, "He said I just didn't want to go anymore." Yeah. And then he's because he doesn't live that far, he would started going. Somebody said, "Just, just go to your local club. You know, tell you Who are they?" Mm-hmm. Um. But he's he's he's, he's recaptured drink his, milk. It's good for yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. He's he's really recaptured his his love for football. At that level, because it feels real to him, mm-hmm. and I think that's the thing, and that's what we've got to get back—that r- real connection with football, yeah. which has
0: disappeared. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. Mm. So anyway, we better move on. Otherwise, we could, <laughs> we could spend hours <laughs> talking about this, and I wish I could. Um, mm-hmm. But the last section of the show, and my favourite. Um, Significant Six. Now, I haven't sent you these questions in advance like a couple of people uh, I have done. Uh, so this is going to be completely off the cuff. Oh, um, and, one, and once, <laughs> once again, um, it's not in the usual order that I normally do them because I've left my laptop at home and all my notes and everything are on there. And so, but all the questions are the same. So, Christine, mm-hmm. Blackpool fan since the early late sixties, early seventies, um, have you got any idea what your favourite game is that you've ever attended?
1: I I do, um, it, but it depends whether it's you know our sort of games in pers- playoffs pers- allowed to be or oh, yeah, yeah, Bob, yeah. Any
0: okay. game that's personal to you?
1: I mean, there's, there's, there's many, but um, the semi final of the playoffs in um, 2010. Nottingham Forest. Away at Nottingham Forest, mm-hmm. and I was one of the lucky 2,000 or whatever to get a, a ticket. As was my mum, and so my whole family. We all went. And it started very badly because there'd been an accident on the motorway and we got caught up in a, mm-hmm. in a jam and we were actually late. So we missed kickoff. And I remember getting there, and my mum was quite elderly at that time. And uh, she was like, I need to go to the toilet. So I went, <laughs> we were in the ladies' loo when we heard Forrest had scored. Yep. So I'm like, oh God. you know, you can imagine. Anyway, that, that game ended up being probably the best game I have been to in it my was... life.
0: To a to, to, cliché a ding-dong battle. It, certainly, it <laughs> certainly was.
1: But what made it really special, I think, was that, because my mum was only five foot tall, mm-hmm. and in the first half, because we were all rammed together, everybody was stood up. She couldn't see a thing. Yeah. Could not see a thing. Bless her, she was getting squashed. So at half-time, I went to a steward, and I said, I'm not being funny, and obviously you can't expect him to sit down. But is there somewhere I can go with my mum? Because this is is getting a bit difficult. So he said, don't worry. So he let us, he opened the gate and we actually went and stood behind the goal. Um, We were almost on the pitch and uh, there were one or two people in wheelchairs that they'd allowed to go there and they let us stand there. So I watched the whole of the second half with my mum behind that goal that Blackpool was scoring into.
0: Literally scored every goal in that goal,
1: didn't you? Because there were five of them as well. I felt like I was on the pitch. Was Was it five? I lost count. It, we ended up at six, whatever. I mean, it was just because uh, it, it was on aggregate, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And I remember being so the first stressed leg, two, with one, it didn't you? that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even remember how many we'd scored. I was delirious.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I know DJ Campbell scored it's uh, quite a hat trick, yeah. and when his third goal went in. Um, I have got some footage from Sky TV where they actually did a slow motion of the ball going into the net and you can see me and my little mum behind <laughs> that goal and we literally go, yes, jumping in the air. Yeah. And of course now mum's no longer with us, that is pretty precious memory to be honest. It was just an amazing game, I had no voice left at the end of it, it was fabulous. I felt like I was virtually on the pitch with them.
0: Playoff semifinals do that to people, don't they? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. we've had we've had six of them and four of them we well we don't want to play a competition. <laughs> we, unlike you, we only ever do automatics. Um, but uh, yeah, we've we've had our we've had our times in the playoff semis and they're just so so tense, aren't they? Absolutely. Particularly if you haven't absolutely battered them, battered a team out of sight in the first game.
1: Well, yeah, exa- exactly.
0: So um, was that your favourite season then? 0-9-10? or do you have another favourite season?
1: Um. No, I, th- I think in 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 many ways, yeah, I think it, it probably was. Um, say for maybe it's because I'm I'm now looking back retrospectively, but the, the the feeling between Holloway that particular squad and us the supporters was off the scale. I think it, it, it would only have been beaten really by that um, when Billier was our manager because uh-huh. King Billy he really had this rapport with Early supporters. Early nineties was that? Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah.
0: Because he left, and was it Sam Allardyce that took over his um, first managerial job
1: from there? Yes, it probably was. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think think you might be right there. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: The Trevor Sinclair days. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
1: again, tricky Trevor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, got some good memories with Billy Air, but for me, that was it. Was just a very special, special time, really. It really was. Yeah. And the whole season. I
0: mean, Blackpool you'd been promoted. Start of that mm. season, you'd only been promoted a year before, mm. and you'd acquitted yourselves really, really mm. well. There's a little bit of a struggle under Simon Grayson, yeah. but you know you you were comfortably well away mm. from relegation in um, in oh uh, eight oh nine. In Holloway ends up taking over, and the rest, as I say, is history. It's
1: history I, ab- absolutely in and around
0: the playoffs all season mm. long?
1: Yep. Absolutely, it was. Uh, it was. It was special. And say it was special because of it. Sometimes something just clicks, doesn't it? it just yeah. works, and it just worked.
0: Yeah, they were enjoyable to watch.
1: Yes, they were. They were.
0: So, did your favourite away day? Your favourite all-time away day All come in that season, or does that go down as Forest?
1: I'm afraid, yeah. Sorry to be boring, but it, it, it does. <laughs> it, it really does for, for all the reasons all, already mentioned. That's it. I mean, we've had some fantastic away days um, all over, and I think you know sometimes you remember an away day um, for the actual game, and sometimes it's just because of the camaraderie and the fun you've had. You might have actually got trashed, uh, trounced, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, you've, you've, you've still enjoyed the day. Um, that's all part of being a football fan, isn't it? Really, oh, but. No, no, I'll, I'll stick with, with Forest. Mm-hmm. Forest away.
0: So, what about your favourite away ground?
1: Ooh, now then. Strangely, maybe it's because I, I, I quite like sort of more old-fashioned ground. But um, I liked West Ham's ground, mm-hmm. the original, the Berlin. The Berlin. Yep. Um, And I've also That's always had That's... I've had a fondness for, and I shouldn't say this because they're not actually our rival rivals, but they're one of our rivals. But I actually like turf more. Particularly like the wooden seats at, at Turf Moor in yeah. the winter. Oh god,
0: warm. yeah. Oh yeah, lovely. It's yeah, 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 really good. Aren't they? <laughs> Moving away from the grounds and the away days, um, your favourite current Blackpool player?
1: Current Blackpool player? <sighs> Jerry Yates. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us why. Um, he's just such a character. <laughs> I mean, obviously he's, a, he's a, a, a fantastic player, and has again been. You know, pivotal. I think to to us getting promoted, um, but th- there's just something. I mean, he's a bit of a you know a naughty boy by the, the
0: <laughs> looks of it. Off, um, cheeky naughty boy. Cheeky, cheeky yeah. naughty a bit boy. Bit James yeah. Curran like. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. right.
1: Um, but he does. He just he, he he just never ever stops running. His his yeah. commitment. I love that. I absolutely love that. It's not a case of well, you know, pass me the ball and I'll. Consider doing something with it. He's always trying to make something happen. He's just there all the time, and I love that. So I he's love central that midfielder. Ethic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's brilliant, and say, fortunately, he—they've just uh, signed him up to another three years. Oh wow! Which yeah. is fantastic. Good stuff I, I mean, there's others. That, obviously, others I could, and, and I'm, I particularly like our Chris Maxwell, our keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, in, that's one of, he's got one of the best songs as far as I'm concerned because he came to us from Preston mm-hmm. so we he, he always sing you know he, he used to he used to play for Preston <laughs> but he's alright now <laughs> I can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like football banter yeah, but yeah it's no it, it, it's got to be Jerry Yates for me
0: okay. <laughs> what about your all time favourite
1: that's just impossible isn't it I mean really that is just impossible Um I love Tony Green, but I was a little bit young.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, although I know Tony and his wife very well. so. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I, do, I love Tony Green. But I think for me, my personal favourite, Brett Ormerod. Okay. Stryker. I just, just, just love the loads, lad. I just, you? He's such a down-to-earth lad. And I had the great privilege of helping to organise his testimonial.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. Because okay. it
1: happened during the boycott mm-hmm. and he understood that there was no way he could have it at Bloomfield, Bloomfield Road. Road. So um, David Hayes Hornthwaite at AFC failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, just they just built the new stadium there. Yep. So let us use it. Um, in fact it was the first game to be played there so we we um, we were part of the team that, that organised farm, testimonial. Yes at Mill Farm. Mill
0: Farm, yes.
1: And it was again a great day. Blackpool fans able to go and actually watch. Well, I had a lot of, you know, all the, uh, our heroes and, yeah. and whatnot.
0: And it's not just a park pitch, it's actually a, a good facility yes, as well, it isn't is. it? Yes, it
1: is. It's a very nice, a, a very nice ground, nice area. Um, so if, if you'd have said to me, he's always been one of my favourite players. If you'd have said to me a few years before that, Hey, you weren't up organising his testimonial. I'd have laughed my head off. <laughs> but hey, I did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I've got a little story. It's not not a, not a fantastic story, but I remember Reading played Blackpool um, late on in the eleven twelve season, um, and at that point I was friendly with the uh, the chap who's on the uh, the players and media entrance at Reading Football Club, and uh, I used to go in the players bar occasionally, and I went in the players bar after that. Um, it wasn't long after we'd signed Jason Roberts from Blackburn and he was injured that day um, but he came I was in there and he came in I was at the bar just on my own you know, having a pint Jason Roberts came up and he just started talking to me out of, you know, just, just, just including me and then um, Brett Ulmerod walked in And obviously Jason Roberts and Brett Olmerod, they've played for clubs that are nearby. You know, footballers are very close to each other, aren't they? It's a small world. And they just started talking to each other literally included me in this conversation. And we were stood there for about 20 minutes, half an hour, just having a chat with two, you know, two, what at the time, ex-Premier League pros. Yeah, I think you know. I'll take this all (laughs) day long, thank you very much. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, no, just just including me in the conversation and both of them, you know, Brett talking in this, you know, broad Lancastrian accent, Jason talking in South London, but... Because you know, all you do is yes, a flat yeah. Um but yeah, just 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 including me in this conversation, it was a one, you know wonderful half hour yeah. of my life actually. <laughs> yeah, so, no, he's,
1: he's, he's a grand lad. He's brought off, uh, a yeah. lot of time for him. Yeah, no, it's uh,
0: it good. So yeah, thank you for indulging me on that. No,
1: you're well, welcome. And, um,
0: and, well, and and actually, um, it seems like a good place to end it. Yeah. really. So and rather than just indulge me on that story, thank you for indulging me for.
2: You're very Nearly
0: three hours of your time. Oh my
1: goodness! Um, <laughs> is it really? Oh, yeah, two and
0: a half, okay. three hours. So you know, thank you very, very much for coming on. You're it's been welcome. so enlightening it's, as to what um, happened at Blackpool. Well, say your it's, role in
1: it—it's an amazing story. It really is, and uh, you know, it's good to be able to still to tell it because, you know, hopefully, what happened to us will help other people, and um, that's that's what it's all about. We'll mm-hmm. make football better.
0: Yeah, no, so. it's been been marvelous, and. And just well, just one very very quick one. We mentioned that we were um, we originally spoke about having this uh, this chat in the social club. What's the name of the social? club? Oh, the Armfield. Club. The Armfield the club, Armfield yes. Club, which recently was uh, broken into, wasn't it?
1: It was, unfortunately. Um, again, they've, they've uh, some some football fans who bought that and and have turned it into the Armfield club, um, have you know given a lot of commitment to doing that because they've opened it during a a pandemic Mm -hmm. and it's in an area that's again not 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 the best of areas um and it needs a lot of investment and they've really committed to it so it's very sad that somebody's broken in just to you know pinch whatever they could um but you know on top of that though
0: i think i read that um there have been a number of the um, social club owners that turned up because the alarm went off and uh, didn't escape unscathed, did they?
1: Um, I, I believe that the culprit was apprehended, <laughs> which is
0: very good. Yes, yeah, which is good. Yes,
1: yeah. indeed, absolutely. Yeah. She yeah, says diplomatically. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 very sad when that happens, but that has become very much a, a focal point for for Blackpool fans, and <laughs> and we have a. Um, in there, there is a what you call the war room, and mm-hmm. there's an awful lot of information about our campaign. And you know, so visiting fans are very welcome to go in. It's not a, yeah, a, a home d- fans only. No,
0: I've I've drunk in there before again, yeah. and uh, it's it's a lovely 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 place. A lo- nice a nice ambience to the place. Yes, uh, you yeah. can have a good chat with. You know, I went in there on my own, and I had a good chat with a yeah. couple of black fans. They just
1: yeah typical yeah, Lancastrian
0: no, ways they just embraced
1: exactly exactly um,
0: metaphorically
1: and and you know there's a lot for football fans to to see in there you know it's of, of in that will be of, of interest i think mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah.
0: good no. stuff no just a couple of very quick things from me um before i go uh, or before we go shall i say uh you can follow me at uh, terrace memoirs on twitter uh, literally at terrace memoirs there's a facebook group of the same name if you know if anybody wants to come on the show or you want to come on the show yourself or you've got any feedback or absolutely anything, the email address is terracememoirs at gmail.com. Um, but otherwise, this just leaves me to say the Tangerine Dream, as we said at the start, is very much alive and well. Indeed. Um, and um, who knows? Next season, Premier League? Who knows? <laughs> but no, thank you very much, Christine. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you. I enjoyed is... it. Great.
0: And this is Terrace Memoirs,
2: over and out.